by getting some, with 65 years, I knew that, that, that something had to change, that something was me. And I had to figure out how to change that. And if I couldn't change who I was in an environment where I had 24 hours a day, seven days a week to work on myself, then I was dead. There's no point in letting me out of prison if I can't make the change in prison. Damon West, the coffee bean guy. <laughs> hey, this is James Cox with the Martial Arts Lifestyle, and we are in episode number 63. So now a world-famous speaker, author, entrepreneur, a powerful message that you're spreading worldwide, man, that's, that's really impacting and changing lives. But, but before, a college a quarterback star, made some wrong decisions, yeah. sentenced to life in prison. Life in prison. Obviously, you're out now and you're alive, but uh, through those struggles, through, through, through those lessons, man, is, is where the message were created. And I want you, to, of course, to tell your story. But, you know, why here on a martial arts podcast? Well, I followed you for a while. I was recently in Miami at my friend Aaron Hensley's uh, Rise Coaching event. You were there as the speaker. I didn't even know you were going to be there. But, man, what, what an amazing story. You know, at the end, you spoke for an hour straight. And I don't think there was a dry eye in that building. You know, I covered it up, you know, it was just some yeah. moisture there, right? Onions. But, yeah, onions. It, was, it was the <laughs> onions. But, uh, you know, I think martial arts, of course, it is about perseverance. It's about life skills, life lessons. And sometimes we learn things the hard way. I mean, do you, you drop your uh, right hand enough, you're going to get hit with left hooks. So you're going to have to learn, you know. And uh, when we go through those struggles, you know, you've gone through struggles that I don't want to ever go through. But that's why you're where you are and kind of what you're doing. Um, I saw that you were in Abilene speaking at Abilene Christian University tonight. Yeah. Made that connection. And I am grateful that you're here on, on this show. And um, so I'll let you kind of go from there, and Damon, and tell us a little bit about what, what you got going on and what's this message about, about a coffee bean, you know? Yeah. No, James, I appreciate it, man. And thanks for, like, what you did when you, you, you know, you saw I was going to be in Abilene. And you got in touch with Aaron, who you know that knows me, and you asked the question, you know, I wonder if Damon would be interested in doing my podcast. And whenever people approach me like that, I want to bless that somehow if I can. I always will because I'm that guy too. I'm the guy that still asks a lot of questions. I'm still trying to get into rooms and stuff like that. The way I got where I am was just being in a room full of uh, college football coaches one night. There's eight coaches in the room, and, and I'm going around, running around. I just got out of prison, been out of prison for 14 months. I'm running around asking all these coaches if I can come talk to their team. Seven of the eight of them turned me down. One coach says yes, and it was Dabo Sweeney. And then Dabo Sweeney heard me speak to his team, and he called Nick Saban. And then Kirby Smart got a phone call. And then Lincoln Riley got a phone call. And all these coaches around America got phone calls because Dabo Sweeney believed in me. One yes in a room full of no's. So you got to always ask the question because the only question you know the answer to is the one you don't ask. That's a no every single time. Or as Wayne Gretzky said, you're going to miss 100% of the shots mm. you do not you take. don't take. Right? So you took your shot, James. Opportunity. You, yeah, you shot your shot. Yeah. Here we are, man. Yeah. We're going to make magic today in Abilene, Texas. So uh, thank you. No, thank, thank you for you. asking I the question, man. Yeah. Best place to start this story off is in 2009. Let's go like May 18th, 2009. And I'm uh May 18th, 2009, it was a was a was a wild day because I'm standing in front of a jury in Dallas and this jury, these 12 men and women in this jury box, they've just listened to a 6-day criminal trial. 6 days is a long trial, James. These are the crimes that I'm being accused of 
There's a bunch of meth-related burglaries in the uptown neighborhood of Dallas and beyond, and I was the ringleader of a bunch of other meth addicts because that's what I was back then. I was a meth addict, full-blown meth addict. And they're looking at a guy across from them that had it all, man, like came from a great two-parent home, great education, great athlete, went on to play Division I college quarterback at the University of North Texas, uh, worked in the United States Congress, worked on Wall Street, worked for a guy running for president of the United States. Wow. And there he is sitting across from him in 2009, just this shell of a man who was the ringleader of a bunch of other thieves that stole from their other residents in Dallas. And the jury hated my guts. I could feel it coming out of their pores. And why not, man? Why wouldn't they hate me? I was a bad guy. I was a bad actor. And I was the most privileged guy you could imagine sitting in that chair. And the jurors are looking at me like, man, I've had enough of hearing about this guy. The evidence was overwhelming of my guilt. I mean, had it all, right? Oh, I had it all, man. I had it all. But I also had so much overwhelming evidence against me. And the biggest person to testify me against me at my trial was me, the jailhouse recordings. Me calling every, every dope fiend and, and drug person and, and thief that I could think of that owed me money while I was in Dallas County Jail I'm like Jerry Lewis trying to hold a telephone from Dallas <laughs> County Jail, man. And look, I've I've got, you know, I've got a bond that's 1.4 million dollars. It's the biggest bond in Dallas County Jail at the time. Nine thousand people in Dallas County Jail. No one else, not murderers, not child molesters, not rapists, had a bond of 1.4 million. Wow. Dallas County wasn't letting me go. They weren't going to let me walk out of that jail. And um, at my trial, they played those phone calls, those horrible phone calls, where it sounds like I'm a mob boss. Directing traffic, you know, directing all the different people that work below me because I'm, I'm trying to get them to bring money that they owe me to get me out. Hey, you owe me this much from this job and this job. You know, remember that job we did? You owe me some money and bring it up here. And, man, the cops are listening to these calls, and they're just going to pick all these people up. Are you negotiating? I'm bringing, I'm leaving a trail of breadcrumbs. Where to find me, you know? So at the end of that six-day trial, the jury went to deliberate for 10 minutes. I'm a punch. 10 minutes, man. And, I mean... And it only took that long. Uh, they brought me back in the courtroom for the little recess they had, this brief recess. One of my lawyers, because I had, I had two paid lawyers. I thought I was going home that day, man. White, middle-class guy, never been in trouble, two paid attorneys. My second chair counsel, Karen Lambert, she, she said, uh, brace yourself. This is going to be bad. And I'm like, how bad, Karen? She said, while you were gone for that brief 10 minutes, the jury sent a note into the judge. They wanted to know if they could give you life without parole. Yeah, James, life without parole, that's a capital punishment. That's reserved for a crime where a person is killed in the commission of the crime. Man, I'm like, Karen, that's crazy. No one was even home. No one got hurt. She said, it just doesn't matter anymore, Damon. They hate you. Get ready. Judge calls the court back in. Damon Joseph West, you are hereby sentenced to 65 years in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. James, this took my breath away. 65 years is a life sentence in Texas. Anything 60 and above is life. The jury gave me life that day. Right after the trial was over, my mom and my dad got one last visit with me. It's a very consequential conversation in my story because my mom has five minutes to tell me a lot of stuff, and she's telling me that, first of all, she says, debts, debts in life demand to be paid, and you just got hit with one hell of a bill. She was right. I had to come calling. You know, the, the debts come calling. And it's, you know, sometimes I think in life that we we feel like we get away with stuff. And maybe we do for a little while, but mm-hmm. you have to pay your debts. It took them three years to catch the uptown burglar. But there I was. She said, but you owe your father and I a debt, too, because we gave you all the opportunities, love, and right. support to be anything you want to be in life. 
and that's how you just repaid us what we saw in that courtroom. That's not going to work. We raised you in Port Arthur, Texas, a giant melting pot of a city. We gave you a great moral compass, which you chose to not use. She said, so here's the debt you're going to pay to us. When you go to prison, you will not get in one of these white hate groups, one of these Aryan Brotherhood type of gangs, because you're scared because you're the minority in there. Not going to work. You were never raised to be a racist. You're not going to start now. She said, you will not get any tattoos while you're inside that prison. And she told me, no gangs, no tattoos. You come back as the man we raised or don't come back at all. And I'm floored because I don't know how I'm going to deliver on this, James. So I'm in county jail for two more months waiting for the prison bus to come and get me. And I'm asking all these guys who have been to prison before, how am I going to survive? What am I going to do? And every guy I talk to, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, they're all telling me the same thing. You got to get into a gang. But there was this one guy, James. There was this older black man named Mr. Jackson. And Mr. Jackson, he's a career criminal. He's been in and out of prison all of his life. And he shares with me the story that's going to save my life. Because he told me prison was like a pot of boiling water. He said, you have three choices of how you're going to respond to this pot of boiling water. You can be like a carrot that becomes soft or an egg that becomes hardened. Or you can be like a coffee bean, which changes the pot of boiling water into a pot of coffee. Mm. And he said the coffee bean was the only thing that could change the water because it is the change agent. And he told me, you have to be the change that you want to see inside that world. You have to be a coffee bean. In fact, the last four words he said to me before the prison bus came to get me, be a coffee bean. Mm. And that was it. Be a coffee bean. And, and I got it because, like, I remember the, the feeling that I felt when Jackson told it to me, like, oh, my God, I can understand that, you know? There are days that I feel like I'm the carrot when I'm sad because that's a natural human emotion. You're going to be sad. And there are plenty more days where I'm mad. Those are the egg days. You become mad and become hard on the inside. Like an egg, right. the inside becomes hard. Like your heart becomes hard. But those are choices. And there is a third choice when you're thinking about choices to be like a coffee bean. The coffee bean has the power to change the water around it because the power is inside the coffee bean, just like the power is inside each and every one of us. And so, I mean, that's the message it took, my, took, took with me inside of a maximum security prison. And I was able to turn that prison into a pot of, a pot of coffee. Well, you're yeah. the change agent, the right? change you're agent, brother. You're able to, you know, take your, your thoughts and feelings and not just conform. So how, how hard was it to not become one of those gang members and, you know, I don't know, just fit into what you felt like you had to to survive? How did you survive? Man, it was a baptism by fire. I mean, and, and you know, Jackson told me the way the fighting was going to work. You know, the way it works like this, he said, you're a white guy, you're going to the life sentence building. The white gangs come after you first. And you got to fight all the white gangs off. After that, it would be the black gangs. And you got to fight them off too. And he said that uh, you don't have to win all your fights, but you do have to fight all your fights. That was a big thing for me because that put me going into a situation where I'm not thinking about, man, I got to win, I got to win, I got to win. You know, a lot of times in life, the win is showing up, you know, because if you just keep showing up, then you'll become, you'll get better and better and better. But if you stop showing up, you've failed. Yeah. And so he's telling me there's no room for failure on this. You have to show up and fight. And um, so that's what I did. I probably got in three dozen fights those first two months, and I lost 75% of those fights. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. We're on a martial arts podcast, and in a martial arts room right here, I could have definitely used some of that. <laughs> right. The first right. couple of months I was in prison, but yeah. I didn't have that. But what I did have was something inside me that wouldn't quit, that wouldn't give up. Um, and I think that even whenever you're an, you're an instructor and you're, t you're teaching these young people all the way up to adults, like you've got to have that burning fire inside mm -hmm. you to no matter what happens, you won't give up, you won't be a quitter.
Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, but it was hard. It was it was it was hard. It was I mean it was uh, first two it was two months of, of on nonstop fighting. I ended up using my athletic ability on the rec yard to go on some sport, uh, go on some respect, playing sports because sports is real big in prison. It's uh it's the biggest thing in prison, and um, so earning respect playing sports with those guys, you know. Once the violence was finally over, the threat to my physical safety was gone. That's when I started working on becoming a coffee bean. But it, it was tough, man. It was, I'm not going to lie, it was very hard. And some days I look back, like, I don't know how to survive that. But it's because that this strong, the, the spirit inside you, you know, human beings are resilient. Man. We're very resilient creatures. I tell people all the time, you're capable of way more than you think you are. You are. Mm-hmm. But you have to stop letting overthinking get in the way of overcoming. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and time goes, man. The opportunities, you know, doors open and close. Opportunities there, and it's gone. And the decisions that we could make for the better or the worse, instant, right? And just kind of think how quick things can can change. What What are the biggest regrets? Obviously, you you can't change what happened. But what if you could? I mean, I, I, you probably get asked stuff like that, right? Sure. No, I get asked it a lot. And you know, here's the thing. I mean spiritually i feel like that this is you know the path that god put it on they're like hey you know i'm going to create a person that has everything going for them and they're going to go out and make some terrible choices in life and i'm going to consequence them with everything they've got coming to them and it's going to break them down to almost nothing to the bare minimum a human being can be broken down to and then i'm going to build that person back up and I'm going to prove to everybody around that that's how I exist. And I believe that that's what's going on inside my life. But spiritually, I think that everything had to happen exactly how it had to happen for the story to be where it is right now. For, let me elaborate, elaborate on that. So getting a life sentence in prison, horrible. It's tough. I mean, like, you know, it takes your breath away when it happens to you. Not many people can sit here and, and, and across from you and tell you what it feels like to be sentenced to life in right. prison. Right. But I can tell you. It's like staring down the barrel of a gun and someone pulled the trigger. I mean, it feels like someone blew your head off. In the end, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Here's why. If they would have sentenced me to, like, say, 20 years in prison, which is what burglary is. Burglary is a 20-year sentence, maximum. If I'd have gotten 20 years in prison, then I wouldn't have changed while I was in prison because I know those guys in prison, they have timesheets. They know exactly how long you have to do mm-hmm. when to make parole and whatever sentence. But when you get sentenced to 65 years... They can keep you for 65 years. If I would have gotten since 20 years, I had to do like 18 or 19 months before I saw parole for the first time. I could be out in two years. Man, I'm not going – two years, I'm going to go in there and stand on my head. I'm not going to change anything because yeah. what's the point? And I think this is what happens to a lot of people. I think what happened to me differently than a lot of – a lot of people go in there. We call it the installment plan of going to prison. You know, people go in the installment plan. They get two years here, five years there, mm-hmm. ten years there. Before you know it, you've – spent 25, 30 years in prison, but you just did it in little chunks mm-hmm. and pieces. Repeat, repeat. Yeah, the installment plan. I got to avoid, I got to avoid the installment plan. I, I tried to do everything big, and I, <laughs> when I got my sentence, I did it as big as I could. Not intentionally, but by getting that big sentence, I was spared a lifetime of going in and out of the system because I didn't learn my lesson in those little short trips in and out. By getting sent with 65 years, I knew that 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 something had to change, that something was me, and I had to figure out how to change that. And if I couldn't change 
who I was in an environment where I had 24 hours a day, seven days a week to work on myself, then I was doomed. Mm-hmm. There's no point in letting me out of prison if I can't make the change in prison because I have all the time on my hands. Yeah, yeah. You know, out here, man, you don't have time like that. I'd go out in the rec yard, and you see a lot of guys that let themselves go in prison, like just morbidly obese guys. And I'd go out in the rec yard, I see one of these guys hanging out in the pot. I'm like, hey, man, why don't you come out to the rec yard with me and I'll walk with you around the track today because I used to jog a lot. I jog. Jogging was good for two things in there, James. One, to keep you in shape. Two, no one could talk to you when mm-hmm. you're jogging. And it's like the inane conversation you can get wrapped up into in prison. It drives you bananas sometimes. And if you're jogging on a track, no one's going to be talking to you because no one wants to jog. I mean, so jogging was a time when I could meditate and pray. But I would tell these guys, man, why don't you come out and come walk? You know, I'll walk with you today. Oh, no, Wes, that's okay, man. When I get out of here, I'm going to go get a gym membership. I'll be good. It's like, dude. You're not going to do any of that stuff. If you didn't do it while you were in here and you had all this time on your hands to work on your right. body, you're surely not going to do it when the demands of time are on you so much harder. I mean, so I think that life is a bunch of choices that you make, and there's the consequences that come with them. Some are good, some are bad. Not all consequences are bad. We always think bad when we hear consequences, but there's good consequences. A good consequence of getting up every day and working out on yourself is that you feel good, you look good, you know? bad consequence of not doing that is that you look like crap you feel like crap mm-hmm. you know so pain or pleasure right that's it man but, it. but they're all choices you know and you don't have to be batting a thousand but you got to be out there making you know more more good choices than bad when it comes to stuff like that i'm on the road a lot like in, in this new life you know i made parole after seven years and three months in the maximum security prison and the parole board came to visit me and they're like, man, the the transformation was so complete. They're like, man, can you can you find coffee beans out there? The, you know, the way you did it in here. Basically, that's what the conversation was about. Can you do out there what you've done in here? And uh, I was like, yeah, give my shot. So now that I'm out, you know, of prison, I got out November 16, 2015, and I'm on parole for well, when I walk out, it was for the next 58 years because 2073 is when I got off of parole. That's the 65 plus the year 2008 when I got arrested. But now that I have this life, I mean, I'm on the road a lot. I travel a ton in this new life. Seven years out of prison, I'm on the road. 24 days of the month, I'm on the road. And this requires, if I want to stay healthy, look good, feel good, this requires a ton of discipline. Yeah. Ton. I mean, like. Oh, it's hard to eat. It's hard. Yeah, to I got to bring anything. Eat. I got to bring yeah. my own food with me. I got yeah. first form bars and first form like little beef jerky sticks and stuff like that. I I travel with this stuff. You look at my bag. It looks like you know this guy's like a beef jerky salesman. <laughs> but I have to have access to food that's not going to do more damage yeah. to me because I don't want to do that kind of damage to myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed that episode number 63 with the one and only Damon West. Man, what a powerful story of just perseverance and recovery. We had so much uh, good content that we're gonna break it into two parts. So I want you to be sure you check out episode 64 coming out next week, part two with the Coffee Bean Guy.